This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to iFanboy Talk Explode with writer Jim McCann of The Return of the Dapper Men. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into Traveling in a world of my creation.
Hey, welcome to another edition of iFanboy Talks Flowed. My name is Ron Richards, and this time around we're talking to one of our favorite folks to talk to, writer Jim McCann. You've probably heard us talk to Jim previously on the iFanboy video show, as well as other previous Talksplodes where we talked about his work at Marvel in the marketing department, and then his work on writing Hawkeye and Mockingbird. But this time around, super excited to be talking to him about his upcoming original graphic novel, creator-owned work that he's done with artist Janet Lee called The Return of the Dapper Men, coming out from Arkea. And he's so excited to talk about it. Let's just hear what he's got to say. So I am here with uh, writer Jim McCann. How you doing, sir? I am good. I like that you had to figure out what I am. Well, I had to hesitate because my first instinct was, instinct was to call you crazy, insane person, Jim McCann, but I didn't want to besmirch your reputation. So <sighs> That's all right. I think it's just adding to my reputation. <laughs> I'm a mystique. So anybody who might not be familiar why we call you crazy, insane person, Jim McCann, you want to go back to the iFanboy video show and watch our many interviews with you where you we catch you at your most enthusiastic and excited moments at conventions. <laughs> Can I add that it's also generally on Sundays of conventions <laughs> and everyone is like that or <laughs> yep. or, or sa- Saturday at five o'clock. That's always a good time to catch you too. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so last time we had done the video show it was in Chicago and it was back in, um, it was uh, back in April and yeah. you were all a flutter about uh, uh, the return of the Dapper Men, which you, you were neck deep in working on with Janet Lee, the artist. And now here we are, six, nearly six months later, New York Comic Con's on the horizon, and Dapper Men is going to be at New York Comic Con, printed, done. Yeah, yeah. yeah we actually um, got the word today that the proof from the printer looks beautiful, and next stop is New York Comic Con. Well, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, it, I know. Thanks. Yeah, no, I mean, it'll be in stores in November, but um, we're all so excited about it that we want people to be able to get their hands on it and see it. Um, and so it's going to be a limited print run done for New York Comic-Con, sold at the Arkea booth. So get there quickly because apparently a lot of people want to read this. And so, yay, yes. I'm happy about that part. Yeah, well, it's definitely my first stop when I get there on Friday. So because I want to oh. see this in 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 total total book-like form because I've only seen and anybody who watched the video show you can go back and see Janet's art which is amazing which we're going to get to in a moment but before we get start talking details for anyone who might not have heard you talk about it before or know what it is can you give us the quick you know elevator pitch what is the Return of the Dapper Men? Uh, Return of the Dapper Men is a modern uh, it, it's, a, it's actually a classic fairy tale with some modern twists and tropes um, uh, definitely inspired by uh, the fairy tales and stories and authors that I grew up reading and that Janet grew up reading. Uh, and that's in the art and in the story, everything from J.M. Barry, Peter Pan to Lewis Carroll, Alice's adventures in Wonderland, um, wizard of Oz, which I didn't even actually realize had permeated into that until I read Tim Gunn say that that's what he, uh, (laughs) In his introduction, he he compares it to that, which kind of makes me blush, Um, (laughs) as well as more uh, modern uh, authors and illustrators like Shel Silverstein and Maurice Sendak. Um, And then uh, there are some steampunk elements, um, just because that's fun. No, Um, (laughs) well, it it fit the story. The story is um, it's it's about the world of Anarev. uh, which is a world filled with a divided society, uh, children and robots. Uh, time has been stopped in Anarev for as long as anybody can remember. 
Um, and so with no one there to tell the kids to go to bed, they've just stayed the same age, um, building this amazing underground world. Uh, in the script, I described it to Janet as, remember when you made pillow forts and tree houses in, or, well, <laughs> you didn't make tree houses in your living room unless you had a really big freaking living room. Um, but imagine when you made a pillow fort and people, you know, you, you ran out of room. But imagine you never ran out of room and nobody told you to stop. What would you create? And uh, so they live in and among the gears that make up this world. Um, and meanwhile, above ground, the robots have long abandoned the work that they did and have moved into the houses that were abandoned and they are becoming more and more human-like. Um, and this is a land that has no forward movement. It becomes very stagnant um, and fractured. Uh, there are two characters, however, our main, two of our main characters, Aiden and Zoe. Aiden is a human boy who is the only boy to live above ground. He's also the only boy who really asks questions and um, still writes in books. And, and, but he knows something's off, but he doesn't know exactly why, nor does he really understand why he knows it, I mean, why he's different. He just knows that he is. And he's also the only uh, human that really interacts with the robots. And uh, Zoe is his best friend. They're kind of a young Romeo and Juliet um, in a way. And uh, Zoe is a robot girl that all other robots hold dear. Um, she has this different quality about her. She's very different from all of the other robots. She doesn't speak. Um, and uh, there are some who are convinced that she is going to be able to fly, um, which would be a huge thing for, for them. It's kind of like um, they know that she's different as well. And so these two, their destinies are intertwined, even though they don't know what destiny is. Um, their lives are all completely changed when all of a sudden, after decades, centuries, it's, it's rather ambiguous, <laughs> um, all of a sudden you hear a talk, and then a tick, and a talk, and time is returned, and the sky gets bluer. Uh, it was the sickly yellow, and had been very stagnant, and the sky start, color starts to come back along with the time, and as people rush out to see what's happening, well, I say people, I mean a lot of the robots and Aiden <laughs> and Zoe, um, they see 314 identical-looking dapper men in pinstripe suits, spats, and bowler hats raining down from the sky. Um, and there's this moment where they kind of all size each other up, and then the 314 men dash off into different directions uh, to set things right again, to clear away a lot of the gunk and everything that had grown up around the buildings, uh, and, like the funk that it happens <laughs> when, when, an, when, a, when a society just stops. Um, there is one of them, however, uh, who doesn't rush off with all of them. He spends his time with Aiden and Zoe, and he's this awesome fun, uh, honestly, one of my favorite characters to write. Between, it's a toss-up between he and the narrator. I loved writing a, a, a narrator. It was just 
<laughs> it made it feel like a fairy tale to me. And also, I just kept hearing Jim Dale's voice in my head. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and so I was like, Jim Dale is totally going to read this. <laughs> um, and then it made me think of Pushing Daisies. and Ah. Uh. Uh, um, <laughs> of all for Pushing Daisies. But yeah. um, back on track. Uh, there's one dapper man who um, is there, never referred to by name in the book. But we refer to him as 41 because that's the number that's uh, in his hat. When he tips his bowler hat, you see this little tag that says 41. Um, and uh, so in the script, we refer to him as 41. Uh, and he um, he leads Aiden and Zoe uh, through more through questions than through answers, driving them to figure out what it is about the world, what it is um, – that went wrong and how they have to make sure it never happens again. And they have to do all of this by bedtime. Um, <laughs> so it taps in, uh, the story goes from there. There's, a, um, there's an antagonist, um, Fabre who wants, um, Zoe for his own purposes, um, and wants to reach this other mysterious character that's floating over the bay, this clockwork angel, who is this broken uh, figure uh, of the past, basically. I don't really want to spoil what her role is and what everybody's role is in this, but um, uh, there's, um, you know, there are the antagonists, there's the other kids underground um, who don't want things to change, and they're like, no, this is not what (laughs) we want. Um, But it's basically kind of uh, tapping in to universal kind of like universal themes that, um, that, that, that affected me a lot, which were, um, kind of that fear of growing up and change, um, that I felt not just as a kid, but also as an adult. Um, and, uh, that uncertainty and the, the knowledge of destiny that you have and knowing what it is that you should be doing in the world. And, knowing that you have a choice to do it or not and what would happen if you don't um, and what is the cost if you do. So um, uh, it, was, it was really important in writing this to have it be very similar in uh, the way that classic fairy tales were able to be read by adults and by kids and for them to get different levels of meaning out of it, but still enjoy it. And, um, and so that's why, um, that's why there are some simple things, but then there are also a lot of things on there that are left open to interpretation and left ambiguous for you to, to discover and see how it applies in your own, in your own experience. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you because I mean, cause this is, I mean, from what I can tell this book is being marketed. I mean, it's being marketed as like an all ages book. And yeah. but what I find really interesting is that that term "all ages" sometimes gets uh, the definition gets mangled into four kids. Yes, you know, like Tiny Titans is an all ages book. Yeah, you know, whereas you know, but you know, the, but for me, at least, and, and just everyone knows, I've, I've read Dapper. I've, I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy, so I've read it, so I can speak to it. This, you know, like to me, speaks to adults, and I can see it speaks to kids, and that it could be enjoyed by everyone. And so that was your intent for it to be enjoyed truly by all ages. Oh, absolutely. And, and it, it meant all ages in a number of ways. It meant um, it can be enjoyed by all ages where parents and kids can read it together. 
Um, or kids, you, it's a book you can give to kids or a book that adults can buy. Um, and then also hopefully it was universal enough, um, that it's something that can be enjoyed for all of the ages. Like this is, we all hope our work lives on. And when you're working on something like, um, an Avengers book or something like that, your work is obviously going to live on because it's the Avengers lived for 60 years before you, uh, and, and it'll continue to stay that way. But when you write something totally different and creator owned and also, honestly different than what I see on the shelves, you hope that it's something that will still live and, and can be enjoyed and passed down for ages. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, like if you look, you know, like if you go to the bookstore and look around and say, where are the modern classics or where are the, you know, like the, the the, wizard of Oz is like you you mentioned as an influence or or an inadvertent influence, (laughs) Um, you know, that, that has lived on, you know, to, you know, that, that at the time was just the book that, L. Frank Baum put out, and then you know, over the past hundred years, has grown into this thing where you find me a kid in this country who hasn't grown up with the Wizard of Oz, you know, in some in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, hell, I as a kid, I watched the movie, you know, until we were like ten or eleven years old. Just it was always, it was one of the that Star Wars and Greece were our three movies that we had. <laughs> but uh, some of the three movies that I yeah had. well <laughs> exactly. go on the sound of music and you got your oh uh, yeah I never really got with the sound of music I don't know those kids creep me out I don't know uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah no so I can definitely see how you know if you look at literature and like children's books and things like that it's just that you know there are you know I've I've got two little nieces and I'm always looking for books that I can give them that I know that they'll get meaning out of and not just you know not just another door they explore rip you know rip off book you know or yeah. or you know license book or whatnot. Well, before anybody starts like thinking that I think that this is the next Wizard of Oz, sure, there's that disclaimer in there. I would love for it to be, and but I don't think you can set out to say I'm going to write the next Wizard of Oz. You can, Um, but I I definitely set out to tell a story um, that isn't necessarily bogged down or or it's not pinpointed to a specific point in time. Yeah. You know, um, it's not like this is a story that's happening in 21st century earth or in 17th century, uh, England or anything like that. You know, it's, it's in its own place. Um, it's definitely not here. Um, but it's familiar at the same time as well. I mean, like there, there are a couple of shots of, of the town and stuff like that. And I, you know, I, some of the imagery I, you know, I didn't feel was foreign, you know, like I definitely, you can't, you can't put your finger on where it is, but it's somewhere that I could imagine myself in, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we, we, we have a very Victorian setting for the, for, for the above ground. And that's also to offset the fact that instead of just below ground, instead of there being sediment and dirt, this world is comprised of gears and it's um, for the adults and listening. Uh, um, it's because this has um, kind of a, a, a um, world machine clockwork universe theory type aspect to it, which is um, the world is created wound up and then it's up to us to keep it moving and ticking as the, as though our movement helps continue time. And in this particular world, that 
that that stopped happening. Yeah. And so now, you know, there has been a sort of intervention and a second chance. And will they take it? Will 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 these people be able to? Will these kids be able to grow up? And will the robots be able to? Um, understand what their role is and will the humans understand theirs and will they stay fractured? Will they stay or will they stay complacent? Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, there's a number of, and also what do people have to do to change and how do you yourself have to change? Um, and that was, that, that's, that's both Aiden and Zoe's journey through this, um, as well as 41s. Right. So, and and I think I mean I think it's really interesting because you know it's it's, it's some heavy concepts I mean and and but it's there is not bogged down by those concepts I think that if at least in reading it to me it flowed in a way where it just seemed like kind of natural um you know totally. and and even down to the relationships I mean very parental relationships between the robots and the kids I thought I mean the robots were very much parental early on you know even towards the end of the book um, yeah there's 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 a big ambiguity of chicken and egg and we wanted to keep that which is you know well who made whom or were they both made at the same time or you know what 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 is the story there and um it's something that we'll possibly uh touch upon as we continue because this is this was originally um i mean i i definitely had a beginning, middle, and end for this particular volume. And then Janet did a little doodle <laughs> for Christmas. And just like the, uh, the initial story was inspired by these three different pieces she'd done. I, I guess it was only fitting that, uh, that I, um, get inspired by her, um, doing one little doodle makes me think, Oh, this is a trilogy. Nice. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, it, it, um, the the parental relationship um, is absolutely uh, it, it was a conscious choice, and and I think is a nice is is a gateway to kids being able to understand it and feel a little bit safe because right. um, it could be kind of scary, like especially if the robots were like, uh, you know, like <laughs> if, if, there, if there were no humanity to the robots, it would be very cold and kind of frightening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And also the kids, the, the arguments that the kids have are, um, they're actually very childlike, you know, I mean, there's some petulance to it and sometimes they're arguing for the sake of arguing because that's what kids do. Um, but then you start to see some of them change and actually understand and grow before your very eyes. And you wonder, wow, are they, is this, is this all happening like in, over time, is this happening in one night? Are they catching up? What's going on? Yeah. So interesting. So, um, so, yeah, so I want to get um, a little more into the, the look of it and the art, but I also don't want to leave because we've talked about that before, and I want to leave the story. So, you mentioned that you you were the you were inspired by some of Janet's original art. How long has this story been knocking around in your head for? Uh, I would say since um, uh, since Christmas of two thousand and eight. Okay, um, I went. Uh, Janet lives in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where I grew up and I visit uh, every Christmas. Um, Janet and I have been friends for 15 years, for those who don't know the story. Um, and we lived one mile apart from each other when I lived in Nashville. Um, and so um, I've 
watched her art evolve and grow and watched her become this hot commodity, honestly, in the Nashville art scene um, and, uh, and, and start to grow within the Southeast. And uh, so I always make a point to make sure to go to her place, uh, to, to her home every Christmas. And she was in between or she was she had stuff hanging at one show um, was selling Christmas ornaments at another and had just finished another show. So there were, there was art everywhere in her house. And I, I saw these three vastly different pieces. One was a, uh, a Christmas ornament of a steampunk looking boy. Uh, one was a little eight, uh, five by eight, um, robot girl floating by herself in space. And then another was this six foot painting, um, I say painting, it's her art style, which we'll, we'll, we will get to. Yeah. Um, one was a six-foot piece of art in, done Janet style um, <laughs> of these very dapper-looking men um, raining down onto a Victorian landscape, which she called uh, Raining Men. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I loved all three pieces. I... I I bought the two smaller pieces and asked to put a hold on the, uh, on the larger piece. Um, because I knew it was something that, uh, my partner would absolutely love. And so, um, and I couldn't get those three pieces out of my head. I took a lot of pictures of that big six foot piece as well. And I sat there and I looked at it and I looked at it. Um, and I would say about a month after I got back, um, I wrote, the opening narr- what became the opening narration um, and sent it off to Janet with the explanation that, you know, so those three pieces that I fell in love with, I, I think they tell a story in my head and here's what my idea is. And would you like to do a graphic novel? <laughs> um, can I take you for a year off the art market? And uh, she fell in love with, the uh with the flow with the language and with the idea and the concepts and themes and even though she had never done sequential at all um before she said you know what i'll give it a try absolutely i i am in um and thank god she did because it it um, as much as I like to toot my own horn about the story, no, uh, <laughs> I will say that people are going to pick this book up and look at it initially because the art is so different and so stunning. Right. And so we, we, we pitched it on this floor at San Diego, uh, of 2009. So about six months later, um, Janet had done a couple of character sketches. I had a, a greater understanding. I, I pitched it to Arkea on Sunday. I didn't even mean to really give them the full pitch, just meant to say, hey, guys, I know we're all crazy. It's San Diego. It's Sunday. But I'd like to really talk to you about this. And I was going to give them a leave behind. Yeah. Um, and they looked, <laughs> they looked at it and they heard me Kind of, because uh, my voice was going in and out. As <laughs> I remember. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so there's this like half-formed, insane, crazy man, Jim McCann pitch, basically. <laughs> um, and they greenlit it on the floor. And so we've worked uh, for the past year and got this. Um, and it's done. And I 
so weird to say that now. Like after this whole journey, like to say that this book is finished, it's printing, it's going to be in people's hands in two weeks. From That's amazing, yeah. <laughs> so, but and then it stores everywhere. Like you can pre-order it now. It's so uh, weird. <laughs> they're like you have a page on Amazon about it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a page on Amazon. There's a page on Barnes and Noble. Uh, <laughs> people who have. Um, on the for comic book retailers who have online um, arms like Westfield Comics and Midtown and all of those guys, um, you can Atomic Comics. You can pre-order. Yeah. You can pre-order it like all over. We have a diamond code. Yay! <laughs> so, but but I was actually. I mean, this is. I have to say, like, I got really geeked out when I got the ISBN, and I. <laughs> that, that means it's real. That's the Library of Congress I, shit, right? <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I've got ten numbers and thirteen numbers <laughs> associated with this book. Well, so know, ISBNs come in ten and thirteen. Yes, I, I worked in a library. I know know that very well. But um, so so you, you know, for the past year plus or so, you've been you know you've been making a name for yourself. After you know, we we first you know met when you were working doing marketing and PR stuff for Marvel, and then you kind of branched out and you started your writing career and started doing stuff with Marvel, started doing superhero stuff. This is really your first non superhero hero work published right yeah i'd say this is about as far away from superheroes yeah yeah so so how, how does this experience you know, like you've been you've been in you speaking of machines and gears i mean you've been yeah. in in the comics machine for years now in terms of knowing how they work and knowing how to solicit and stuff like that but this is a completely different aspect of this of this um of of this industry was there <laughs> was there things that you you learned in the process that you didn't know or did you know was it just like putting out hawkeye mockingbird Actually, you saying that makes me go, I wonder if subconsciously there's something about the fact that Aiden doesn't live in the machine, <laughs> that, our, that our human boy main character does not live in the machine. I'm like, whoa, hey, um, this is me not living in the – no, that, Marvel's not a machine. Uh, <laughs> no, comics are, but comics are, you know. This, yeah, this, no, I mean, yeah. well, yeah, the whole – any industry. He doesn't, he doesn't live in within the industry. Right. Um, it's um, I, it, it. I absolutely could not have done this book um, well. I, I may have been able to do this book, kind of, yeah. but I don't think I would have been able to do it well. I don't think it would have been something that um, Archaea would have published. I mean, I may have been able to get it like self-published. Right. Um, if I didn't understand the industry and didn't understand um, how a book is put together um, from just a production standpoint, because that's where I was, that's where I started yeah. uh, was within uh, the production side of things. Then I was moved over into sales and then I moved over into sales and marketing. And so I understand how to sell and market a book Um but then also through all of that, and especially when I started writing uh, more, I learned how to tell a good comic book story. Right. So I was able to take all of those, but then also throw in my own love of reading and, and literature and, and, and also art um, in a different format, too. Because when you see the book, as, as you have, there are some pages that are there are a lot of sequential pages um and then there are some traditional two-page spreads or splash pages 
But there are a number of splash pages that are um, a bit more abstract and kind of are, are very much keeping within Janet's gallery style of art. So it, it was kind of a, a marriage of all of those things. Uh, but I absolutely benefited greatly from this. And I did, I, I, I came out um, swinging with a new, with, with a creator owned book being a fairy tale and being this story, not just because it was the story that popped into my head. I had a number of other, I have a number of creator owned ideas and stories in my head. Um, but people like, um, Jonathan Hickman and Brian Bendis, um, and Jeff Loeb all said, when you do a creator owned book, um, get out there and do something that you could never do at one of the big two. Um, and do something that's totally different than what you're known for because it will help show people your voice and also um, it will stretch and challenge your own voice. And it definitely did. I mean, I felt really weird putting sound effects in because <laughs> like even that felt a little bit like I was like, Oh wait, what? But it is a visual medium as well. And, and in a novel you'll hear, you know, they'll say like crash. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, but, um, and so that's, that's why, uh, this was there, but it's also, it, it's also been a very difficult process for me because I know, um, how to look at something and compare it to a known quantity. Um, you know, like if I had done a noir book, I would be like, okay, well, it's not as good as criminal. I can absolutely say that, <laughs> but it's dark and shadowy and, <laughs> um, you know, but I look at this, I, I, you know, I put this out and there was, there, there was a while there when I'm looking at it and I was thinking, I don't know how to compare this. So the sales side of my brain was well, freaking out. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember a couple of weeks ago, actually, Stephen Christie, the editor-in-chief at Archaea, tweeted on Twitter. He, he posted, he's like, I have no idea how what, whether people are going to like this, but, you know, I, I think it's great. You know, like something along those lines where, you know, it's, you've never seen anything like it. You've never it seen anything like it before. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I think that's part of, at least for me, at least in, in talking to you over the past year as this project goes and seeing Janet's art and stuff like that, like that was what excited me about it was like, you know, there every now and then, like, you know, we read so many of the same comics over and over again, mainly superhero stuff, but even, even the non-superhero stuff still falls under the same kind of rules and still, you know, same kind of stuff. And every now and then there's a book like, you know, it's a book that just knocks you on your ass. Like, like last year was a serious polyp for me, and it was, um, you know, aphrodisiac earlier this year, and just like these kind of, you know, on, I don't want to say on the fringe because that that sometimes is a negative connotation, but like outside of the machine, you know, like this, I, the, this, you know, we're gonna make this book, and you know, it's it's a graphic novel, it's sequential art, and it's everything that we've learned up to this point, but with this unique spin on it. Yeah. yeah. So that I mean that that's why I was excited for the book and it was in my in, in my mind you know it totally delivers you know just in terms of both the tone and the the story but all you know visually and just it was just visual I mean and that goes back to Janet's art I mean it, this is like we and we talked about it on the video show it's unlike anything I've ever seen so uh, it's 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 kind of incredible and the um the printing uh it, it's gonna it's it's on a, a heavy paper stock uh, for those who read. And you should have if you didn't. But for those who read um, Darwin, Cook, Darwin Cook's Hunter, yep. um, this is um, 
it's on that paper stock. So that really like heavy, gorgeous paper. Awesome. And, um, and it, it's, it, it, in and it in and of itself is slightly texturized. Um, but the colors came across so well in the scanning and production where you can see the layers and you can see the textures and the rich and the depth. Yeah. Um, that's there. That's because of the completely different style that Janet takes to uh, to art because she doesn't come from within. The right. It's, yeah. It's not. It's yeah. It's not. It's not pencil, pen, or pen, pen or pencil on Bristol board. I mean, and for those who didn't see the video show, I tell you to go back watch our C two E two video, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But real quickly, Jim, can you tell us what is her process like? Yeah. yeah. Um. She uh she does a decoupage style um where she does um use um pencil and and ink and then uh she colors using i'm gonna shoot myself because i can't remember (laughs) the exact uh different color uh what she uses the colored markers it sounds like you you go and get Crayola eight color markers, but that's not <laughs> but at all like Prisma <laughs> color markers or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The art stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the really, really arty stuff. Yeah. Um, like the hair on the dapper men and on Zoe is five different shades of red. Wow. Like it takes five passes of, of, of different reds to achieve that look. But so she does it on that, um, on a really heavy paper and then, um, cuts, Cuts it out. She takes what she's worked on, and then she takes scissors to it. Oh my god! Um, not even exacto knife, scissors, and <laughs> um, and then she goes down into her basement, where she has pine wood boards that she cuts to trim size with a power saw in her basement, <laughs> and then she goes outside and using house paint uh, paints the boards, uh, whatever the background color is going to be. Um, or if there is not, if there's not a painted background, she'll take, um, various art papers or even like pages of books and she'll decoupage that onto the board or she'll paint onto the board. And then she starts building it, um, in layers. And so she'll put a layer down, use mod, mod podge, um, which is a decoupaging glue, uh, and just, adds layer over layer. Then she'll do a glaze over it all. And it's all on this wood. Um, it's like 12 by 14. And you end up with not just comic art, but hangable wall gallery art just right there. And, um, it, uh, Joyce Chen, I think it was, at, uh, this year, San Diego saw it and she said, you must have the heaviest portfolio ever. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and it's true. Um, but I mean, it, it definitely gives it a very different feel because it, it's funny. It gives this world that it's another thing that I think is, um, is welcoming and different to this book, which is, um, you know, like having 314 different people who where only one of them speaks can be kind of cold and robots can be a little bit cold and the kids live underground, but the art is done on this wood and you get this texture and this organic feeling. Um, and it just makes it feel even more alive. Like the, the, if that makes sense, like the book, you, it gives you a totally different experience. I think 
than anything else that you can that that, that you read. No, I to- I totally agree. I mean, it's and and it's seeing the texture and like uh, the, the 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 pages that have the the books as the back you know kind of decoupage in the background or even like some of the what she did with the color in the backgrounds and things like that really make the foreground figures pop for me like the i'm looking at the pages the double page spread where the dapper men are uh, returning to the town and yeah. you know you can see the wood grain and the blue blue and yellow paint mixed you know, in the yeah. background, and it, it works in a way that pops out the the characters, and it just it just gives it this depth. and And I actually never thought about it until you just said it, but it actually does give it a warmth. It does give it a a, a warmth that you sense as you read it, which is great. Um, the funny, uh, funny thing about that page is it's six feet by ten feet. You're kidding I'm me. Six feet, six feet by two feet. Sorry, but still. Oh yes. my god! Really? Jeez. That, that so, piece fits over your couch perfectly. That's amazing! Wow. Jeez. Uh, she did it that big so that she could get all the detail and all of those dapper men on there. Yeah. So. That's that's just amazing. So. Um. Uh, it's 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 really really cool. We're hoping that um, I mean stay tuned for um, as we get closer to New York Comic Con because um, we're trying to put together. Hopefully it will work. It will all come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a gallery show, so you can actually see the original artwork and purchase some That'd be great. Uh, at, at New York. Um, so it would be, it would probably be like the night before the show, and then maybe the day of the first, the first day of the show. But yeah. regardless, Janet's stuff is going to be able to be seen. You and you'll be able to purchase it, and it looks amazing. I have, uh, I think I only have her art and comic book art in my apartment <laughs> nice. so, yeah. all of my light switch covers as a as a housewarming present to us yeah. janet did light switch covers that were decoupaged oh that's cool so it has that texture and um for all of the light switches yeah. in our house <laughs> very cool very very cool so um an, another neat thing with the book is the and and it recently got announced was that uh uh mr tim gunn uh, wrote the forward or wrote the the is it the forward yeah that's what it is forward, the, the introduction it, yeah so how did that come about Oh, the original Dapper Man himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was always um, he was always our first choice. Like, yeah. um, I mean, and this went back. God, I think it even predated him. Like me working with him on the, his Models Inc. appearance. Right. Um, it, it's just you know, you think style and Dapper and today, and you think Tim Gunn. Um, and uh. Oh, or Don Draper. And so <laughs> that means I have to get John Hamm for the next volume. <laughs> wow. John, if you're listening to this, uh, volume two, uh, just clear a hole in your schedule in, in about 10 months to write the intro. Okay? But the thing is that you'll need him to, to, you need him to perform it. You'll need him to, to, to present it in a conference are, room. <laughs> it's not, that, it, true. are you saying he can't write? No, he can write, but I, I don't know if, if I saw him write, it's not a wheel, it's a carousel. Would I be bawling by the end of it at the same time? <laughs> this is true. So yeah. maybe we'll have him do a video introduction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be so amazing. Yeah. John Hamm, if you're listening, would you please do a video endorsement for this book because <laughs> you, you are a dapper as well sir yes. um but no uh going back to tim gunn um janet and i love project runway we love uh, janet loves fashion and if you go through the book you'll see just the fashion that she creates for these robots and kids and everybody i mean there's a lot that goes into it it's just it, it's fantastic and so um then I got to know Tim 
through uh, our interactions with Models Inc., um, where he uh, he was featured in the backup of the first issue, um, and uh, you know uh, he did. Uh, so I helped with publicity on that, and uh, we would see each other at the events. And, um, and we also developed a friendship, um, like over email and in person, he lives not far from me. So we would take the train back, uh, from events together. Um, and, uh, so, um, when it came time to think of the forward, um, he was the first person that had always been in, in, in my mind. And so, um, I reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, would you be interested? Um, and, uh, I, I sent him the script and then I brought some of the original art, uh, with me cause Janet left some up here, uh, for me to be able to have and show people. Um, and so I brought some of that and he was blown away and in love with it. I mean, he, he had a lot of very kind things to say in that intro. Yes. And, um, <laughs> No matter what, no matter, no matter how this book goes over, I will always have that. So, <laughs> and your endorsement as well, Ron. Well, yes, so. of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm nearly as suave as Tim Gunn, but still, <laughs> so, um, in your own right, you are. But I think, I think in in his forward, he writes about how you know uh, about how the the your story specifically, you know, was both. In, and I'm reading off what he's his his words, not mine, but wildly inventive, intelligent, research driven, sharp witted, and shuns the mundane, which I think definitely comes across. And I think that it's unique in terms of, you know, Janet's complex, unique approach to the art mixing with your unique, complex approach to the story working to make, and I don't want to say simple in a negative way, but in a very accessible fairy tale esque story. I think that's, that's really kind of special. Yeah. There's also, it's fun because, um, he mentions in there about Merriam Webster and Google. And it's funny because, um, there are a number of Easter eggs uh, thrown in there um, for people um, who want to take the time to do research about why certain people are named what they're named, yeah. or and can think about it. I won't spoil it for you. Well, I've already I've already figured out the name of the town, but and if you uh, listen, if you listen to this interview, you can figure it out too. But yes, you can. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that and that was very uh, that was that was. A very conscious choice. Yeah. Um, some of the characters' names are uh, homages to people um, or uh, or other characters. Right. Uh, and um, Aiden and Zoe um, is A to Z. Ah, interesting. Nice. <laughs> so I'll give you that one. Nice. I like that one. That's good. <laughs> I didn't pick up uh, on that one. Cool. <laughs> well, uh, well, people need to pick up the book and, and figure out themselves. And you should probably yes. do. You should do something like down the road, like or some sort of maybe some sort of article on iFanboy where yes. <laughs> we reveal the secrets. Yes. <laughs> but it's um, well, what about the character designs? So was that all Janet, or did you give direction? Really? Because yeah. because I think it was really interesting in that in that um, you know, you talked about a little, a little steampunky and stuff like that. But I definitely see like Brazil, the, the movie Brazil, yeah. um, you know, with the with the with uh, with Zoe's wings and stuff like that. Um, yeah. As well as there's one page that I love um, that's very uh, the gears. What is that silent film? 
Um, well, it's not oh. Metropolis. There's a little bit of Metropolis with the with some of the uh, with the robot designs, but the yeah. um, the the man versus the machines. That German class. My film school days are behind me. But the yeah. the shot where um, Aiden is is breaking things. Uh, well, yeah, that's yeah. very um, uh, that's very much inspired by um, Russian propaganda. Yes, yes, actually. yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, um, although in the Russian propaganda art in the cold war propaganda, sorry, it's not Russia. It was in the Soviet union cold war propaganda. Um, it was more a symbol of building up and she used it for a symbol of the opposite. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, which I thought was really, really cool, but no, I mean, Janet designed everything and it's funny because, um, Fabre came to life when I saw her design. I knew his character in general, but she drew this very like Frenchy looking yes. guy. <laughs> it was called Frenchy, like originally, not it was just the placeholder name. Like, I was like sure. oh, Frenchy's gonna do this. We were never gonna actually name him Frenchy. <laughs> but um there is actually a reason why he is named Fabre and why his house looks the way it does. So um there's another thing for you guys to look up and try and figure out. But um Fabre, as soon as I saw this drawing, she had him standing rather poncy and <laughs> um and I suddenly knew he he loves fashion and hats and even though he hates humans the most, he is the one who's become almost the most human. Yeah. He has built house upon house upon house. He has the most extensive wardrobe. I mean he's he he really is like this. Uh, he has obsessions and love and uh, and, and so um, it was just this fun dichotomy to have. And he came to life the second I saw him. And same with Harmony, who is our uh, female uh, human antagonist. Uh, and um, she was Janet was just drawing heads. She, uh, she was drawing little sketches. She had drawn a couple of. Aiden, like from different angles, and then she drew this one girl, and this, she had this glint in her eye that was part brat, part know-it-all, <laughs> and um, and also just part um, smart. Even though, but she let she let that bratty nature kind of take over, yeah. and um, and instantly I knew her whole story. Like I just I looked down and I saw, and I was like, there she is, and her name is Harmony, and she is everything but <laughs> um harmonious so um <laughs> so yeah and um the dappers obviously had been um inspired by janet's art she took that piece and tweaked them for this to kind of give them that that impossible curl of their hair <laughs> um and uh and um I, 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 the robots all I'm, i love uh I love Devic and Deer are uh, two of the more parental characters, and they have clock uh, the clock faces as faces um, to try and be a little bit more human and expressive, and um, and and they wear robes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I just I love it. Like she she did such a fantastic job of um, taking what was in the script. And what we talked about um, in conversation, and she saw the world and 
brought it to life in a way where you can see it and and really be in this completely different and I'm so thankful that Tim Gunn said this in his thing, but kind of it, it is transformative. Like it, we wanted to teleport you to somewhere else, take you away for a little bit. And when you come back, hopefully you've learned something about yourself and about what you've just read. Will will you'll you'll have learned something about yourself and the world around you. Yeah, and, um, it, and it resonates with you. I mean, I, we talked about it before the interview, but like I, I finished reading it, and, I, and my mind went like in four different directions as to as to what it made me think about and what made me, you know, kind of because that's and that to me like a good song. That's what that's what a good story does of this caliber. I mean, like again, going back to the comics kind of example. You know, you read Avengers, you know, it's going to be you know Captain America and this team trying to accomplish something and vanquish evil. It's very clear and literal. But these kind of open to interpretation stories, like a good song, become almost mean what you want it to mean, yeah. Know, what you feel it to mean. Of course, the, of course, I'm not going to you know argue the events of the book and say no, actually that didn't happen, and the the, the, ro- <laughs> the robots you know froze up yeah. and killed the children. Like what happened uh, happened, but there's enough. That's that that's Terminator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but there's enough in between. I think there's enough happening in between the panels of of taking what happened to these characters and assigning them to your own personal experiences and those around you that make you think in that and in my mind you accomplished so yeah thank you tip of the hat to you i thank you very much i i bow at the waist so yeah in the so the book is the book is packed with not only the story but there's a whole thing on janet's process which if some people are interested in in how janet's work is you know there's details it which is great i thought to provide that um but then you also got a bunch of other artists given doing their their style on your characters it was so cool to do i mean I wanted to put together a book. Janet and I both did, but and and Archaea. I, I mean, this book could not be possible without those guys. Uh, you know, I mean, they they really got behind it and said, "Yeah, do it. No, keep going. This is awesome." You know, they took a chance on crazy art, yeah, crazy story. And then I was like, you know, I have always loved bonus features, intros, yep, um, pinups, and. When it came to pinups, no one said no. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, some people didn't have time, and they've now asked if they can do the next volume. Yeah. Um, but um, and some people came to us, uh, and I was like, oh my god, yeah. And I, um, it it's amazing to see other people because they were sent um, some reference art and the script, and so this is their interpretation of this world. And of the events or of the characters, um, of Janet's art and of also the feelings of the story. Um, And it's just amazing to see that these 12 people took it and and just – and that they interpreted it in their own way. That this is what they got out of it. Yeah, they all, and as far as I'm concerned, they all nailed it. You have you have like varying styles from like Mike per- Mike Perkins to Scotty Young to Katie Cook, and you couldn't be more varying. Yet they all are familiar and right on enough that it makes sense. You know? Yeah. No, totally. They just it's I'm I honestly I, I like looking at it and just seeing those. I mean, I I I am actually I. It, it's funny. I've had a. I, little bit of a struggle i guess with saying this because i don't want to sound arrogant or you know things like that but i can honestly say looking at this entire package that this is a book i'm proud of nice 
And so, you know, this, this is something I am very proud of and I am thankful for everybody who took part in it and that did such an awesome job. And, um, and I don't know, I just, I really am honored and humbled by the, the people that reacted the way they did so well, um, to do the pinups for Tim Gunn for the intro and, um, Archaea for, I mean, when you see this book in the hardcover, I mean, it's, it's a great book. It's, yeah. I mean, it's going to be cloth, like cloth binding. We have, we have a red ribbon. Um, Ooh, you have a ribbon. I love the ribbon. Yes. <laughs> but this I, book, this is the kind of book that needs a ribbon. I mean, yes, like, yeah, exactly. so, yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is my dream book. Yeah. And, and it's, it, and it's happening. And that's I great. Hope that people, I hope that people enjoy it and love it and, 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 and are encouraged to give it to other people too. Honestly, like, like you said, you wanted, you've been thinking, you know, you've been looking for books to give your niece. I hope this is one of those books that people can say, you know what, here, read this. This is, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a graphic novel, but it's, it's more than that. You know, it's a, it's a fairy tale and, and here you go. I mean, I, I wrote that um, just before this, just before page one, is kind of my own little welcome. Um, that's totally inspired by uh, Shel Silverstein in um, Where the Sidewalk Ends. I think it is. Yeah. Um, he wrote. He writes. He writes. Wrote. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're a writer. <laughs> I, I are a writer. Um, he writes a fantastic um, welcome. Uh, to people who are lovers and liars and magic bean buyers. And um, I can never write anything as amazing as his welcome, but I wanted to write something to get you in the mood and, and have you feel that way. And I mean every word of it. I really do hope that people can read this book and take away a little bit of something that dreams are made of. Yeah. So. Totally. Well, congratulations. Seriously, it's uh, for me just reading it, it, you know, in the form that I read, which is in the final, you know, kind of book format already. It was, you know, rewarding, and I can't wait to get my hands on a book in New York. And and you know, like I said, I want to give it to my niece, read it to my niece, give it to a couple other people, and just and hopefully everybody else, you know, agrees. Um, pre-order so. your copies. Yeah. So everybody <laughs> should everybody should pre-order, or and you'll get a personalized thank you on on Twitter, right? Are you, are you still yes, doing that? Yeah. <laughs> I will applaud you. Please do. Yes. No. I mean, um, yeah, and tell people about it too. Like, I mean, I really think this is a book that you can safely because you know some people are like, well, yeah, I'm into comics, but I don't know if you know how do we get kids into comics or how do I get my uh, girlfriend or my boyfriend or my friend or even my parents. You know, like, how do you share that with them? I'm hoping this is one of those books that you feel comfortable doing that with. Yeah. Um, and it's coming out just in time for the holidays, so it oh, makes. How about that? Up. Look at that! It was just just in time for the holidays. Fantastic! Yeah, no, <laughs> you would have thought I came from sales. <laughs> so yeah, so you can order it on Am- you can order it online on Amazon or any other online retailer, and I'm um, sure you know get it at New York Comic Con if you're going to be there, or you know get it from or, uh, you know local your comic store, local comic store. They can order it in Diamond, right? So uh, oh yeah, yeah, they can. So definitely go in and talk to your comic shop uh, retailer about it as well, because um, you know, in all honesty. Um, the, 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 if it's not, um, if it's not Avengers or, uh, brightest day or blackest night or Scott Pilgrim, um, 
people that chances are people may not um have heard a lot of the buzz and uh, that's the other thing that's like amazing me is how much buzz there is around it but make sure your retailer knows about it because you may know about it from listening to this i fanboy listeners and i thank you because uh i have to say you guys are awesome and i love every single one of you that comes up at a convention and says i totally listen to you on i fanboy so i have to thank i fanboy and the listeners <laughs> for this um but make sure that they know about it too because that that will help um that will help this be a gift that keeps giving. Excellent, excellent indeed. So um, cool. So uh, so in addition to Dapperman, you've got some other books that you do, right? Do you want to do you want to plug yeah. any of them? You got anything coming out that's that's worth noted? <laughs> November's November's pretty packed for yeah. me. Um, uh, Return of the Dapperman hits um, stores in November. Um, you, as we've said, get a there's a limited run at uh, New York, um, and then. Also in November is, uh, whatchamacallit, um, not whatchamacallit, the candy bar, um, uh, is uh, Chaos War Alpha Flight. Um, a book I'm very excited about. Uh, it's going to be big, I'm telling you. Hopefully you're writing the wrongs of one Mr. Bendis <laughs> and, and the characters we love from Canada. <laughs> Let's just say... Canadians will be happy to see this team together. Excellent. Uh, I, it remains to be seen how happy they will be with uh-huh. me. No, um, and then um, also is uh, Hawkeye Mockingbird number six coming out that month, which wraps up Ghosts, um, which has been an incredible roller coaster of emotions for me and for the characters. And right after that. Um, it was going to be Hawkeye Mockingbird and Black Widow crossing over in those books, but the events are so big, literally, like the things that happen in this book and the things that I'm getting away with uh, <laughs> and that Dwayne's getting away with, it predicated that this be its own thing. So this is now, um, this is now its own four-issue mini, um, and I cannot say a word about anything beyond that. And, that, and that's a pretty big deal. I mean, that they took it yeah. from a they took it from a you know from a crossover to making it like it's it's like you're doing an event, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I went from my own crossover to my own event. So <laughs> that was nice. Um, so yeah, so that uh, that starts in um, December and January, and um, I know people have a lot of questions about what happens after that. All I can say is keep reading yeah. um, that um, there are stories to be told. Yes. All will be revealed, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> cool. And, and so, so now like you, so I feel I've, you know, Oh, also wait, I'm sorry. And in November, I forgot this is being solicited. There is, um, there's another one shot uh, coming out that is a um, women of Marvel one shot and have a songbird story in there drawn by Michael Ryan. Cool. Excellent. That'll be good. Yeah. And I've always loved that character, and so it's really freaking cool to be able to tackle another character. So I have four things coming out of that month. Right, so you still like her, even though Steve Rogers thinks that she has questionable taste in men? Um, <laughs> I mean, Sorry. I'm kind of obsessed with, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the Steve Rogers judging of the heroes in the, in the heroic I, age superheroes book. 
I think it's because Steve sees her as the only pink-haired chick in the Marvel U that he hasn't been able to get to fall in love with. Well, him. admittedly, she dated Baron Zemo. Let's be honest. Okay, yeah. she. Let's be honest. All right. She dated Baron Zemo. She yeah. used him. Yeah, but still, you know, but she, she's got some but, questionable taste in men. <laughs> she does. She does. And her other boyfriend went to jail. Yeah, you know, you know, but and you know. was a criminal, reformed, yeah. but, but still. But keep in mind that he doesn't criticize him. He says. Well, I'm sorry. I have to think. I'm going to side with Steve on this one. Anybody that goes out with a dude named Angar the Screamer <laughs> definitely has questionable taste in him. Exactly. Right. But uh, anyway, I just don't think it's a, it's it's appropriate in the workplace. But anyway, um, so I feel I really. It wasn't in the workplace. It was on a spirit quest. <laughs> True. Yes. It was after lots of peyote. <laughs> um, but so sorry. I just it just it just seeps its way into everything I do now, Jim. You have no idea I'm obsessed. <laughs> but. Uh, have you started writing your own versions of this? Oh, that's a genius idea. I totally should. <laughs> About people you know. I can't wait to see your write-ups on me. On Pros and cons. <laughs> oh, God. Pros and cons. Oh, Josh and Connor decided to not hang out with us tonight. Pros and cons of Josh and Connor. <laughs> oh, I can't do that. I know better than that. <laughs> Oh man, it's too funny. But so anyway, so so I feel as if you know, like you know, we we like I said earlier, we you know, we we're, we're talking to you from, first from like a marketing side, and you're giving us the scoop of behind the scenes at Marvel, and then you went off to do some writing, and now you're doing a full time writer. You know, like writing books for Marvel, you got a hardcover OGN. You know, like the, you know, like and this and how you know you're only a couple of years into this. Does it? I mean, it's feel free. I'm not, dude. I'm not like I only have four issues of an ongoing out right. right yeah, now. exactly. Granted, I, the, so I've only been doing this full time for four months now. Yeah, I, it's been a year and a half in the making. Right. So, I am lucky. I am. I'm a very lucky man, and I never forget that. Right. Um, I never take advantage of that, uh, or I never take that for granted. Sure. Um, because I know it can go away. Um, and also, why take advantage of that? You know, um, you guys, the fans make a creator as much as a creator's talent does. And it couldn't be possible without the fans and without the support of Marvel and Archaea. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I said, this is what I wanted to do when I grew up, uh, when I bought my first comic. Um, I have said in interviews recently, even that I always saw it as, as entertainment, but as research and, (laughs) and as my own, personal destiny and i really really i cannot tell you um how much it means to me that i get a chance to do this for a living and i will tell you that um every once in a while and by every once in a while i mean more than every once in a while a lot a lot in a while (laughs) every once in a lot i don't know um (laughs) you are a writer I am a writer. Can I make up my own phrases? Sure. But I guess the phrase is quite often, yeah. it takes me by surprise in a very, very good way. That's great. Well, congratulations, man. You're living the dream. That's for sure. So. And thanks for helping my dream come true. No problem. Thanks for giving us some of your time. Appreciate it. As always. And thanks for giving me your time by listening, uh, <laughs> listeners. Without them, we're on nobody. Hey. We're nobody. <laughs> and add it, add it to your polls because I watch that. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. <laughs> uh, I watch those polls, people. Yeah. <laughs>
So make it so go to ivanwood.com, add Dapper Men to your pull list, add Hawkeye Mockingbird, add uh, Widowmaker, add Alpha Flight. A lot of books, Jim. Good job. So just click on my name. <laughs> no, we need to have a the Jim Jim McCann <laughs> Hub. <laughs> Can you not just click at all? <laughs> we'll get working on that, sure. <laughs> Come on. Make that part of iFanboys 2.0. Yeah. I think we're up to 4.0 now, actually. Jeez. Anyway, so. All right. Anyway, thank you, Jim. We'll see you in New York. Can't wait to get our hands on the book. So much appreciated. Um, excellent. And I can't wait to see um, what people think. And I can't wait to see your reaction. And you guys will probably have a video to see my reaction <laughs> of this book because I will be seeing it for the first time in its format at New York as well. And there's a very good chance there will be a video of me passed out on the ground. Or, <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> or see the definitive reason as to why I am insane, crazy man, Jim McCann. <laughs> so big thanks to Jim McCann for talking to us about the return of the Dapper Men. Uh, it looks to be very exciting. I can't wait to get my hands on it at the New York Comic Con. And you can get your hands on it as well. Uh, pre-order it from Amazon. Order it from any of your retailers. Tell your local comic book store. Like Jim said, help them out. It's creator and work. Needs your support. So definitely check it out. It's a unique, unique book. Um, if you have any other creators that you want to suggest that we talk to on iFanboy Talksplode, shoot us an email, contact at iFanboy.com, or every Sunday, go to iFanboy.com and check out the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, which you can also get by subscribing to this feed. Um, and all through the week, we've got great contact, uh, content over there on iFanboy. Uh, it's a fun place to be if you like comic books. So until next time, I'm Ron, and enjoy your comics. 